0: I don't think it's just only about you know being successful or growing or doing the next thing it's not what it's about it is truly about the connections and the the people that are that you kind of get to work alongside in one way or another even if it's just a 10-minute conversation dropping off oil to some shop and just going how are you going um and that's really made me realize um yeah i'm lucky even in the hard parts
1: (laughs) this is the deep in the weeds podcast I'm Anthony Huckstep. It's the summer series of Deep in the Weeds, and today I'm pretty excited to welcome back Monica Loopy from Lulu's in Sydney. Monica, how are you?
0: I'm well, thanks. How are you going?
1: Good. Really good. It's good to get you on the show. I know you've got a million stories. You've got such a rich sort of cultural background with America and Italy and also Australia. do you have any sort of food travel stories that really sort of affected your approach to cooking?
0: Oh, travel. Gosh. Um, I, I think, uh, I, not so much travel, but I think definitely being, I guess what you'd call a third culture kid, which is, uh, you know, like the, the person that is raised in, um, more than one culture and of culture different than the culture of the origin. So, um, I think for sure, um, like my whole life has been kind of about nostalgia of where i would rather be when i'm in the place i am and that's about food for sure yeah
1: tell us that's fascinating tell us a bit about that do you have any examples of that nostalgia and um
0: (laughs) don't get me started on nostalgia um uh yeah well i mean i think it's just it's part of that feeling um Of being um, ungrounded, I think, when you, I think many kids of immigrants or first generations um, can relate to the fact of when you're, uh, like, for example, going to the States and going to school in the States, being an Italian family, speaking Italian in the home, being born in Italy and everything. um, When you're in the US, you never quite felt like American enough, and um, but then there was certain foods that you would kind of attach to um, feeling more like you'd fit in or things that identified with that culture. Whereas when you'd be back in Italy, um, you'd be more attached to certain other foods. So like when I was in America during the school year, I would like um, be dreaming about mortadella or uh, something Something I would eat when I would be home. And then um, when I would be in Italy, I would be like, oh my God, if only I could get you know a good deli sandwich here or whatever. <laughs> so it was kind of like, this, the grass is always greener. And I think it's really tied to like, not only nostalgia, but also identity of feeling like you're never quite a hundred percent at home. And I think that's definitely something that um, I carry as well here in Australia, where I'm going. I'm here, and you know, especially during COVID, I would be dreaming about you know what I could only get in Italy. And then after a while in Italy, my partner and I, when we went this um, Italian summer, we were like, oh my god, there's no Asian food here. Oh, we have to get back, you know. Um, so yeah, it's a constant kind of feeling. And I think food is one of those things that um, grounds you and like really is emotional. And I think that definitely plays a part. Yeah.
1: Do you have any sort of food stories or moments in time that you can share with us that, um, you know, whether it's in Italy or whether it's, you know, some, somewhere else?
0: Uh, so many. You're going to have to narrow that down, Huck. <laughs> 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 what don't I have a food memory associated with? Oh, for summer, yeah. Well, uh, for me, summer, for sure. Um, uh huge memory for me would be, Um, Going to Verona, um, I spent most of my summers in um, a small town outside of Verona with my nonna and um, she was actually not a good cook. Um, I know it sounds weird, uh, but like she grew up during the war, was very poor. And, um, and so she never actually, she was like, you know, pretty much homeless for the first 20 years of her life. She never had anyone teaching her how to cook, let alone food to cook. Um, so I don't really have memories of her cooking for me, but I have a very, very strong food uh, memory of getting on the bus from this little town to the city of Verona on a Saturday with her and going to this specific ice cream shop, which was um, right in the center of town. And they had this thing called semifreddo, which was like two wafer biscuits and in the middle this kind of amaretto um, semifreddo ice cream. And it was like this big occasion uh, in the summer of just walking down the street and she would buy me like a cute outfit and just eating this semifreddo. And it's amazing because it's still there. The shop is still there, um, you know, and I don't think I really even like it very much, to be honest, because I'm not really into like amaretto flavored things. But it's like this massive memory of like summer and getting to take the bus to the big like city and going shopping and buying something and having this ice cream. And that is like probably the biggest connection and feeling very special in that moment. Um And I think that's like a massive summer memory for me. Um, Another big summer food memory I think I can always connect to is Bruschetta because we would have these massive barbecues and we would like char the bread when I was little um, on the grill and then rub garlic on it and just put simple tomato on top. And that was just this flavor that when I have it – it's just like instantly I'm transported back and being five years old again. Um, yeah. So when you say summer, those are the two things that really pop into my mind. Um, yeah. And then I guess it's different being in Australia. It's weird. Cause like I'm babbling now, but um, you, you try to fit in like your Christmas memor- Christmas traditions into like a summer here. And it's like, doesn't work because, in like when you're in Italy or America, like our traditional um, Christmas dinner is like very heavy foods. And um, I keep trying to shoehorn it into like an Australian summer Christmas and, you know, making people eat like all these boiled meats and like tortellini and broth, and people are like sweating. Um, so we've definitely had to adapt um, into a more, but um, into more of an Australian Christmas uh, meal. Unfortunately, yeah.
1: <laughs> Thanks to the uh, joys of social media, I know you've been, um, you've done like big epic food travels through the US. Um, do, do you have any stories of, you know, the eating experiences and some of your favorite things that you've enjoyed to eat through the US in your travels?
0: Oh, gosh, yes. Um, you know, it's really incredible how. America has these, you know, it's such a big country, but it has like so many small micro um, cultures and micro food, uh, foodways um, all over. And I think because when we, uh, my partner and I are big, like record nerds, so we travel, we've done a a lot of like um, road trips in the US to go record digging and we kind of committed two things we committed to not um, taking any uh, motorways and we committed to not going to any chain restaurants. So um, like we really wanted to make sure we took the highways that went through the small towns, the old, the old highways, and um, only stopped for lunch at really local places. So um, we've just had these amazing experiences, not just running into like um you know, one was an amazing soul food place we ran into, um, that it was like a Sunday and everybody had just finished coming to church. So we walked in and like all these old ladies with giant hats on, like kind of looking at us like, Ooh, who are you two people? Um, and just eating the most amazing fried chicken and like peach cobbler. Um, but also, um, really getting to know like the variety of culture and history in the U S through the foodways, like the very, the difference between Creole and Cajun or like the low country in the Carolinas and the history of enslaved people there and what they brought to the culinary landscape. And I think, you know, going to, um, even driving all the way up to Montreal and realizing that a Montreal bagel was really superior to a New York bagel. Uh, I get some emails about that. But um, yeah, I just I think the the way to see a place is really, I think, um, by car, I think wherever you go and um, to discover like the variety of humanity and the variety of history. And food is the way that I think you can connect to that more easily. If you're able to um, be curious and listen, I think. Yeah.
1: You mentioned, um, you know, things like the difference between Creole and Cajun. Tell us a little bit about that and your experiences and and the differences there.
0: Well, I think just like the, the history of the, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be like, I'm going to sound really dumb now because I'm like, there is a difference. I'm not like a historian, uh, but you know, like the the Cajun um, is like a distortion of like a French word of people that were actually like French and they moved down from Canada like down into Louisiana like um, and um, de, so it was like a French background and then like the Creole is more like African and en- enslaved generations so different styles of cooking that like clashed or clash blended in Louisiana so you just I always thought it was kind of the same thing interchangeable and like actually two totally different cultures um and it's just really interesting how they blended and like New Orleans food is some of my favorite but um yeah, I took some cooking classes there and stuff like that and just to even scratch the surface you're constantly learning I think it would probably take 20 years of study to really understand how things how things melted together there yeah
1: I know you're very um, sensitive and aware in regards to cultural appropriation, in regards to food and different cultures. But you've you've experienced so many um, different cultures and cuisines over the world. Are there any that sort of influenced the way you cook or um, your approach to the, to your cooking?
0: Oh I mean every you can't you can't walk around you know on this planet and not be influenced by everything you uh, unless you know it's a very poor life that isn't influenced by what um but by what, by what you learn and what you see of course like I think it's important to give credit and you know I'm constantly learning where that boundary is of going I'm influenced but I'm not going to you know uh, <laughs> where you know it's hard to find that line um, but definitely you know moving to Australia has um, opened a whole new chapter because like, you know, apart from the fact that, you know, moving here as an adult um, and experiencing like all the different cultures that are here, like Italy, the last 15 years before moving to Australia, I was living in Italy. It's, it's not, I won't say it's homogeneous, but it's like, you know, 99.999% Italian. and, 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 in, in, in parentheses Italy itself what is it you know it's a it's a series of in, invasions and occupations as well there's you know there's African there's Spanish there's there's austro-hungarian there's it's a mix of cultures there as well but coming to Australia and really experiencing close-up you know um, different Asian foods um, understanding uh, slightly beginning to understand uh, native ingredients and their significance um, it's given me like it's enriched me so much. And obviously I would never, um, try to pawn that off as my own cuisine, but it, you know, at home, especially, um, it's certainly widened the amount of ingredients I use, but also, um, it's really interesting to draw the parallels. Like I look at something like, um, fish sauce, which is used by the Vietnamese community here. And I, and I automatically, Recognize it as garum or um, colatura di alici, which is uh, Italian fish sauce, and it's been around since Roman times in Italy, and it's very much used in Roman cuisine. Uh, so you, it, the I think more than influence also is like the travel and experiencing different food cultures gives you the ability to see the parallels and to see how much, how many things we have in common with each other in the way we've developed flavors. Um, And so therefore you can do something like, um, you know, I don't know, like, or another thing, sorry, (laughs) is like um, black, like that fermented black bean that um, is used in Chinese cooking, like really reminds me of like good balsamic vinegar as well. So like, you know, just those things that you can kind of have those parallel flavors and go, oh, well, you know, like, this can be substituted in that and I can make something tasty and like see if it crosses over and it works and it's fun to kind of study that yeah I'm a dork
1: (laughs) you mentioned um summertime in Italy and your nostalgic memories of that what what speaks of summer in regards to food in Australia for you are there particular ingredients or things you like to cook over summer that um really speak of summer in Australia
0: Oh, well, first of all, the produce for sure. Um, you know, it's the time with tomatoes and then like it's the only time of the year where you can just eat tomatoes every single day, um, which is what I like to do. But um, for me, Australia is uh, the amazing produce Especially the seafood. Uh, Like oysters is just something I really think about when I think about summer. No party is complete without, you know, some oysters um, and some prawns. Uh, I think that's very Aussie. Um, I really love the barbecue culture as well, people grilling and having beer and just chilling out by the water and like going to the beach and things like that. I think that's what I like that kind of um, very casual. I won't say taking it for granted, but I really do think how lucky um, Australia is to have like all this amazing produce and all these beautiful spaces in which to enjoy it. Yeah, that's what I think about when I think about summer. I think how lucky we are.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's been a pretty crazy couple of years, but you've created this uh, company, uh, Lulu's, during this time off the back of all sorts of amazing pop-ups that you were doing. What, what What are things like for you at the moment?
0: uh yeah well i have to say um like the last couple months have been pretty quiet i think all of uh to be honest i think all of retail has really taken a bit of a hit because of the financial insecurity that's been around like people are tightening their belts for sure um but um i have to say that even in that, the amazing solidarity and community in the small businesses that I have been lucky enough to be connected to has kept me going because I go, oh God, it's quiet. I wonder if like everyone's kind of forgotten about me and like, okay, I had my moment, it's over, like whatever, next, th- everybody's moved on to the next thing. Um, but actually it's it's just been so amazing to actually um, have this massive group of other people who make condiments other people who are having small businesses my retailers um all the little shops that i'm in kind of have this moment where we're all looking at each other going oh we're all feeling the same thing we're all feeling a bit of insecurity right now we're all feeling a bit of you know worry and it just makes you go okay um we're not alone we're in this together we're all gonna you know keep going um so um i don't think that um I don't think it's just only about, you know, being successful or growing or doing the next thing. It's not what it's about. It is truly about the connections and the the people that, are, that you kind of get to work alongside in one way or another, even if it's just a 10 minute conversation, dropping off oil to some shop and just going, how are you going? Um, and that's really made me realize, um, yeah, I'm lucky even in the hard parts. <laughs>
1: Australia's culinary landscape is is evolving rapidly and and it you know the last 10-15 years have been extraordinary what's some of your favorite things that are going on in food in Australia that you expect to see in the next sort of year or two
0: um, well, uh, I don't have predictions. I do think that, um, I do think that, um, what I think is very exciting. One of the very exciting things I've noticed is since COVID has happening, um, um, that like the rebirth or the, um, attention towards really maintaining and how important like Chinatown and the hay market is. I think that's an incredible, um, incredible, um, project that there's a few people working on. Um, and, um, there's a lot of like young, um, young people, um, of Asian descent or even, um, themselves immigrants who are very politically aware, politically active. And, um, I think that's really spread out the, the Asian community itself to more people realizing, hey, we have this incredible wealth of, um, of food, culture, and knowledge, and history, and we don't want to lose that. And I think, you know, because of the beginning of COVID, there was a lot of kind of anti-Asian bias and hate. And the reaction to that was, wait, this is A, wrong, but B, there's this incredible wealth we need to protect and there's been a lot of amazing projects to kind of revitalize and protect the Haymarket and Chinatown in Sydney. I think that's really incredible and on a wider note, I think that is part of recognizing and widening what we do see as quote-unquote, like, worthy of being covered in the media, food, um, food that, you know, besides what a hat is or what a, you know, like the next big... um, fine dining places, our real f- richness, our food culture is really down to like those shops that have been around for a long time or those shops that maybe don't get recognized because it doesn't fit into like the the Eurocentric kind of uh, way we view like what is valuable food. And I, I do see that widening and I do see that appreciation, um, getting, um, getting more, um, let's say more light shed on it. And I think we really need to realize that um, like not to take anything away from, you know, chefs like, I don't know, Neil Perry or whatever. um, But like, we don't need a, um, like a more Europe, European friendly necessarily or more quote unquote, like sanitized version of um, other cultures, food. We need to be able to um, actually meet people where they're at and learn from that as well and and enjoy it and appreciate it um and like mm, things like um there's an app called Have You Eaten? Um, and the guy's name is Nick. I don't remember his last name, but he used to write for Broadsheet. And it's just this amazing map of all the different cultural cuisines in, uh, in, in, in Sydney. And I think things like that are going to hopefully keep becoming more and more important. And, and it's a much needed shot in the arm, I think, to what can become like a pretty stale food scene where it's just the same 10 people getting celebrated over and over again you Know, so that's where I'm at.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You've always had this amazing, sort of um, dynamic and agile approach to what you do, and doing all sorts of different things, um, whether it's um, a pop up, or um, feeding lots of people, or creating a retail product. Um, what's next for you in the next couple of years?
0: You tell me, Huck. I have no idea what's next. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know what's next. I, I want to keep cooking, I want to keep doing as when I started Lulu's remedy, the oil during lockdown, I said, when it stops being fun and when it stops working, I'll stop. And that's why I haven't hired anyone. It's just me. And that gives me the capacity to kind of do what I like. I'm I'm, I'm not 25 anymore. I want to do things that make me happy. So I'm hopefully going to be doing more pop-ups here and there, um, more traveling and some collaborations as well coming up. Um, which is always fun so um, I don't know I, I I really don't know I just will take any opportunity that gets presented to me um, and and um, hopefully have lots of new experiences myself
1: Well that sounds um, pretty exciting and it's an absolute honour to catch up with you today on Deep in the Weeds um, look forward to seeing what you do in the next sort of year or two uh, please keep in touch have a great summer and we'll catch up again soon
0: Thank you Hark. you too
1: this is the Deep in the Weeds Podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who play their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.